You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, it's time for a geekiest show ever, episode 394. And you may notice something a little bit different. We are sans Lisa today. She is doing her mammoth move that we were discussing last episode. She's packing up house and getting ready to move into her new place. And she's done her walkthrough and we're all very excited for her. So in her place today, we have a guest today. Everybody say hello to Tom Schmidt. I don't know who everybody is. Who am I talking to? (laughs) Everybody. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, I, I moved about 14 months ago, so I know exactly what she's going through. Yeah, I think you and I actually moved around similar times. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we've been here about a month and a couple of, uh, a year and a couple of months. Are you feeling moved in? Are you feeling settled in? I have some things I have not unpacked yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still, I was going to ask you, like, what, how do you, do you have a way of knowing when you're going to feel like you've actually, like, you actually live there? Do you feel like you live there? I kind of do, but it it's, like still, it's still kind of like, okay, I know where to go for gas, and I know where to go for groceries, but uh-huh. like, restaurants are still kind of a little bit of a, uh, what's where? Yeah. You're still navigating the, the new area. How far away did you move? About 20 miles east. Okay, okay. Yeah, we didn't move quite that far but we moved you know a little bit of a distance enough that it's a it's a whole new area to get a, get used to so oh definitely. yeah i mean it, it i went from the west side of west of minneapolis to um i could walk to st paul within five minutes but it's like oh, wow. the the northern edge of mm-hmm. st paul kind of on the eastern side mm-hmm. and does your your daughter goes to college right yep is she Close or far or out of state? Uh, St. Catherine University in in St. Paul. And she graduates in May. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I I don't even want to start thinking about that. But next year, we're going to have to start thinking about it. They're going to start sending us. Because my eldest is getting ready to go into uh, senior senior high next year. uh, Oh, yeah. That stuff kicks in in junior year already. Oh yeah, I mean, stuff. I'm already seeing it in the newsletter and stuff like that. They're they're talking about it, but I'm like, no, la 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 la. la I don't want to think about mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but I'm not going to have much of a choice soon, aren't I? Well, yeah, I, it's going to be like a whirlwind in the fall, and then mm. you know, even before Thanksgiving, you'll have to have a school picked and everything. Wow! Yikes! So, or or they might just take a year off, maybe. <laughs> Which I'm kind of almost okay with. We'll we'll see. We're, it's a discussion that still has to be had. So mm-hmm. much going on. So are you? So you're close to the college then? Pretty close, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like I said, where we live is is it's outside of St. Paul, but in, uh-huh. in Maplewood. But it's it's more the northeast corner of St. Paul, sort of. And St. Catherine University is like the southwest corner of St. Paul, so we have to drive across the whole city. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of traveling to do, huh? A little bit, but I mean, it's not bad. It takes 15, 20 minutes to get there, something like oh, that. Oh, oh, that's that's even really close. Oh, so is she stay, staying at home, or is she going to live in a dorm? Or? She's in the dorm, oh. um, but she comes home most weekends. Yeah, I did that too. 
I do and like half and half. It's freeway most of the way from here to there, cutting through the city. So it's not, you know, like we're winding city streets the whole way. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you're you're getting settled in, and college is going to start up again for the last time. <laughs> sniff, sniff. <laughs> and you got mm-hmm. a new kitten. <laughs> yep. Lots of, lots of new things, huh? Uh-huh. Sagwa is about three months old, just a little bit over three months old. Still kidding. And she's... Still terrorizing your a home? A handful. Yeah. Um, when she... I, 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 you know, when they're naughty, you have to uh-huh. get them out of whatever, and they yeah. want to run away from you. And her habit was running under my bed. And <laughs> it's a queen bed, so, you know, getting her out from under there is uh-huh. not easy. So Have you tried bribes? Have you tried uh, catnip? Well... Can opener. <laughs> I, I I built a small five inch high cardboard fence around the bottom of my bed, so ah, now okay. she can't so get under there. Yep. <laughs> so uh, and and she she I I had the bedroom door shut while I was doing it, just because there was no way I was going to get it done if she was in there. And I open the door and she comes in and she immediately runs toward the bottom of the bed and she just hits the brakes and, <laughs> and it's like, what did you do? And she just kind of started running around kind of seeming upset. She couldn't find a place to hide. <laughs> mm-hmm. She went one side to the other and it's like, well, crap. <laughs> That's funny. Now I'm starting to understand why it seems like, I don't know if this is true or not, it seems like a lot of engineers have cats. Maybe this is the reason why. They I don't know. Things. I've never had a cat. Uh-huh. It was just Wait. to me the obvious solution. If I put something yeah. around there, she can't get in. Right, right. <laughs> and then and then to get to get at the stuff under your bed, then you have to kind of unengineer it and put it all back again. Well, there's nothing under the bed, really. Um, the bed has drawers, so the under the bed oh. stuff is in the drawers in the bed. Okay, yeah. She's probably looking for your socks. Those oftentimes are on the fl- on the floor, waiting to be folded uh-huh. <laughs> or played with, or played with. Yes. So, I mean, they're a convenient distraction when I need her out of my hair. Mm-hmm. Here, go get this. <laughs> oh, that sounds like fun. So what what is it that you do for work? Are you are you and you're not an engineer type, or what is it that you do for work? I'm in IT, so um, basically what I do it, it's for a it's a company that provides services to government entities, okay. like internet services, mm-hmm. um, like maybe you would stream a city council meeting or keep records or send out government newsletters or all sorts of things that I kind of have a little bit of a hard time explaining just because there's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, odds are there's some government entity that this company that I work for, you've, you've encountered it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I do is I, you know, when people are having problems with their computers, I help them. Mm-hmm. In, in an individual in an individual office set, type setting, or do you do a lot of remote work now? We have an office. I need to go into it next week just because there's a couple of things that have to be done. But uh, since getting the cat, I have spent one day in the office. Hmm. So it, the company is, is functionally fully remote now. I mean, there's still offices around the world, but... Um, 
Was it that way before the pandemic or did the pandemic change that? I started during the pandemic. So okay. I did not really get into the office culture. Oh, uh, when I started, they had basically, you know, gone full remote because of the pandemic like three weeks before. You know, just this panicked departure from the office that was kind of disorganized, like everybody's was. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the way I'm working now is basically the way I was working from the start. And I think the office here is actually going to end up closing eventually. Hmm. But the... I, I don't. It's not so much. I think that we're closing it, but the landlord wants to convert the office building into condominiums or something. I I don't know the full story. It's nothing has been official yet. So, right. but it doesn't impact you one way or another because you're used to being remote anyway. Yeah, you'll just go show up where they tell you to show up. Mm-hmm. So, are you? Have you been doing like field uh, working as a field technician or more of just a remote technician? Are, are are you a like? How would you describe that? My typical workday now. To, well, before, like, did you have to go individual places and work on jobs, or have you always just done things remotely? Um, or is it I, some hands? I was for a while mm-hmm. an independent Apple consultant, mm-hmm. um, okay. working for someone else, and I did that for about four years. So that was a lot of field work. But other than mm-hmm. that, it's been. Um, either uh, Apple-related service retail or corporate IT was what, oh, I've, wow. what I've and done. And all, all Apple. You didn't have to mix any windows in there? When I was at the Apple retailer, I kind of, because nobody else wanted to really, yeah. um, <laughs> I took on some Compaq training when Compaq still existed. Oh, I remember so, that. So I got... Um, I got into the Windows world that way and became kind of bilingual and have mm-hmm. just kind of expanded that since. So, I mean, I, I basically, you know, Mac or PC, I can help them at work. That's good. That's good to have both both those knowledges. Mm-hmm. Did you have to go through a lot of certificates and trainings and all that kind of stuff? Not really. I've been doing this long enough. I mean, Apple's got trainings and you get certificates and stuff like that. But I mean, for the most part, it's just been figuring it out on my own. Um, I've been doing it long enough that there weren't a lot of like, you know, you see in like trade schools and colleges Mm -hmm. now there's IT stuff and there just wasn't. I I went to broadcasting school. Ah, uh So, um, and I just kind of bounced from broadcasting to marketing to IT sort uh-huh. of just in circumstances of different jobs. Yeah, I can relate to that. I went to school to be a designer <laughs> and I ended up falling in love with troubleshooting. It was all it was all the fonts. Every time somebody had a problem with a font or a suitcase or, or something and I was always the one to try to help them, you know, untangle those kinds of things and then it just kind of blossomed from there. So, I can relate mm-hmm. to that. Yep. Yeah. It's how, Very it's how similar. Get started. So you mentioned broadcasting. So now I want to talk a little bit about what do you what you do for fun. You want to talk a little bit about scenes from scenes from a hat. We actually taped a few episodes that? yesterday. Um, yeah, I watched a couple. They're very so funny. If you've seen whose line it is, is it anyway on TV, you'll know pretty much what's going on um, here in 
the Twin Cities area in Minnesota, we have this this comedy improv group called Scenes from a Hat. Um, the website is scenesfromahat.org, and I am one of the players. And I think uh, Melissa's probably going to stick a couple of links to a couple episodes in the show notes. I sure will. And um, that's it's a group that I became involved with probably about a year ago through a friend. I was going to ask um, how long you've been doing this for. So about a year? But uh, improv yeah. overall, I've yeah. been doing for seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. And what got you into that? Did you go out with a bunch of friends some night and ended up on a stage and decided that <laughs> you wanted to? Is it like when I think of improv, I think of like open mic night and somebody getting up and telling jokes on a stage. But it's probably more than that, huh? Well, that's stand up. Okay. You know, like, you know, the one guy with the microphone, stand up comedy, that kind of thing. That's very different. That's, mm-hmm. you know, those those guys, you know, they write their jokes and they practice in front of okay. the mirror and they they have a scripted set that they do when they do their shows in comedy clubs. This is a group of people who have no idea what they're going to say because you just make it up as you go. That blows my mind. There's there's a place in here uh, in Tucson downtown that's called Unscrewed Theater, and I've been there a couple of times, and it is. It's just amazing. It's I watched some of your videos, and it's very much like that, where they, they pick scenes out of a hat, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at this place, they have a big fishbowl, and they uh, will have people write things down in the audience, and they put it in the fishbowl, and then they'll pick things out. And it's all just at random, and... It does. It just blows my mind how you guys can come up with the stuff that you come up with on the spot. Mm-hmm. And there's two different kinds of improv. I've done both okay. on, on others. There's long-form improv, which is not what Scenes from a Hat does. Long-form improv, you get like um, longer scenes, and the audience gives one suggestion, and it kind of just keeps changing and evolving on its own. But mm. Scenes from a Hat is short-form improv, which is, you know, like I said, it's like the whose line is it anyway TV show. It's like a a short game structure where you'll great, you'll do these quick things and then you'll theater. yeah and you'll you'll switch to something else. Like yeah. um, one of the ones that I like to do, which the scenes from a hat group doesn't do, but I've done it with another short form improv group is is Jeopardy. Okay, and you'll have the audience pick different categories. And, you know, just like on Jeopardy. Yeah. And then um, you have the, to answer the with a question. Game show host will make up a funny question and then you have to come up with a funny answer. Uh huh. And does it go on for a long time then? It just keeps evolving. Yeah. And, and then you end up with Final Jeopardy, which is kind of the big punchline joke thing. Uh, does it weave the other parts together then, sort of? It's a end? lot like the jeopardy game show where they'll ask the audience again for a topic for final jeopardy uh-huh wow that sounds like fun it how is often, how often do you do this uh scenes from a hat records four episodes monthly and wow. they're a little behind on the editing so there's a, a several that i've done that aren't out yet um but there there are these two that are out and there's other ones there's the the two that are going to be in the show notes are season twelve episodes two and three. Um, wow, twelve and seasons already. 
Yeah, season 11 is not on YouTube yet, and parts of season 10 are. The reason parts of season 12 got um, put out before some of the older things is they're sponsored by a sci-fi convention that's being held in about three weeks. So it was a little bit more timely to get those out. That makes more sense. I see. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, it looks like a whole lot of fun. It is fun. I just, I, I couldn't imagine myself doing it. I, I love, I enjoy watching it and I can come up with ideas and I like to contribute ideas, but I don't know, being put on the spot like that, it just sounds like so much pressure. It, part of the reason I did it is, well, a friend was like, hey, there's this sample class, let's go take it and see what we think. And so I did and um, I just kept doing it and it just was kind of fun to to be up on stage and you know, you you get that feedback from the audience. You say yeah. something and they laugh, and that's cool. And Permission to it, make a fool of yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And and I just say the dumbest things sometimes, and <laughs> but they're they're great. And yeah. um, part of what you know, as a person, that's helped kind of change me and make me a better person is. Um, getting more comfortable being in uncomfortable situations and stuff like that. And it's kind of a confidence builder and other things. And it's just kind of a neat experience in how, you know, you, you take yourself and you put yourself in this situation where you're like, Oh my God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And it just makes you better in, in different ways. Problem solving, probably too. That too. I mean, it 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 kind of kind of works on that that quick thinking part of your brain, also, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. kind of practicing that brain muscle. Yeah, because in our jobs, we have to kind of do that stuff too. We have to come up with stuff on the fly, and mm-hmm. you know, what's what's tinker with things, and what's the what's the solution to this problem? Well, we can go at it from these different couple angles, and. It sounds like it. It's almost like a skill building exercise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's probably really good for mental health too. Mm-hmm. Is what it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like a whole lot of fun. Well, I hope that you keep doing that. That sounds like uh, it'll be something fun to practice on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, any anybody, I would recommend at least giving it a try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it mean, seems like you can probably find a place in your area if you just look hard enough. I mean, like I said, there's a place here in Tucson. You have a place out there. And yeah. Just, kind just of all over the place. Google improv classes and something will come up. Mm-hmm. Did you actually take some classes before you started doing it? Yeah. Because they just teach you. Plus, you learn on yeah. the spot a lot. It's, it's a good idea. I mean, if you want to really do it, it's a good idea to go through, you know, a whole range of classes from beginner to advanced because... There are, depending on what type of improv you're doing, long-form improv is a little bit less structured. But, I mean, there's do's and don'ts in things that you learn. Um, And it's, you know, it's the the classes and the feedback that you get from the instructors is how you get better at it. So, I guess you probably go through, like, idea generation and how to... Get things going that way. Mm-hmm. It's almost. It almost seems like live Mad Libs in a way. Did you like to write Mad Libs when you were a kid? Um, I did not, but 
That I have seen as a way people have explained improv. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah, it's it just seems like it's like you're doing Mad Libs, but right there in person. And you're not having to write it down, but how how you act it out as if it were written down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it looks like a lot of fun. I, I should get myself out to another show. Now that we're talking about this, I'm going to put that on our list for... It's been on our list for date night, but I'm going to have to actually make it happen. So I'm glad we got to talk about that. It's always fun. Yeah. I mean, I go to shows, too. I oh, don't, yeah. I don't just go up on stage. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, yeah. Are you itching to get up on the stage when you're in the audience, though? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, it's like, oh, I thought of something. I could just jump yeah. up there. And it's like, yeah. Mm. But that would kind of break protocol, so no. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but if they call for a volunteer from the audience, you'll raise your hand, right? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> does, your, does your daughter get into it? Does she go to the shows? Has she you ever pulled her up on stage? She prefers the short form to the long form because audiences give a lot more suggestions in a short form show. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I'll enjoy that too, now that I think of it. Hmm. All right. Well, we have some other topics we want to talk about and uh, getting a little bit more geeky. I wanted to pick your brain about macOS Ventura. You you told me in a chat that uh, you've rolled it out at your business. Tell me your, your thoughts on it. We've problems? thumbs up it. Um, yeah. I mean, people are kind of, people have to be security compliant. So mm-hmm. they can't be on anything older than Big Sur. So one of my big tasks every fall is to figure out who's on the operating system that's going to lose its security compliance and kind of rustle them all up and make sure they upgrade. Um, but once, once we thumbs up an operating system like we just did a couple weeks ago for Ventura, um, people can upgrade on their own if they mm-hmm. want to. So mm-hmm. um, sometimes they need help if something doesn't work right. But mm-hmm. generally, they can just do it once we say and it's okay. Have you been, since they've upgraded, have you been getting any support tickets coming through with any problems that seem consistent? Not really, no. Um, I have pretty thoroughly tested it and gotten a small number of people who upgraded when they shouldn't have hello. <laughs> There's the kitty. <laughs> she heard us talking about her. <laughs> Where are my socks? <laughs> so um, there were a few people that upgraded before we locked it down. So I kind of uh, said, all right, you did this. You're in my test group. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, right. You just volunteered yourself. <laughs> yep. Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, just going back and forth with them. Are you having any problems? No, no, no. <laughs> so, I mean, nobody had any problems with their day-to-day stuff. So it was really just... Me and one of the system engineers um, doing a little back and forth on our security packages to make sure they were fine. And um, yeah, it was a little bumpy road with one of them, but um, it, it, the main reason it took as long as it did is, is uh, there were other priorities that kind of shoved it out of the way. So it could have happened probably two months prior to when it actually did, but um, we have to make sure that everything works before we can say everybody can um, can do it. 
So do you use an MDM at all, or is this just everybody does their own thing? We uh, were on an on a MDM last year at this time where the comp- we were looking for an upgrade to that for some operating system compatibility. And then the, we had a message back from them. Oh, yeah, we discontinued the product nine months ago. Oh, wow. Oh, thanks for telling us. Yeah. So Yikes. we had to, and we were eventually planning on switching to Microsoft Intune eventually, oh. but this kind of like forced the issue. It's like, oh my God, we have to do this now mm-hmm. and um, managed to get that done in about two months last spring. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, stuck a delay into it was when I broke my foot last spring. That was fun. Oh, boy. I mean, right on the day when we were going to kick it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um... Uh, Tom's got to excuse himself. He's got to be on some drugs for a while and get some... Did you have to get surgery? No, no. Fortunately, it was a clean break and I just needed... Oh. I didn't even need a cast. Oh, wow. So, I just needed to have, um... Basically, it looked like a flip-flop but kind of with the bottom part almost being like this really big, stiff thing. And I just had to wear that. Yeah, I just had to wear that for six weeks. Did you have to elevate it for a while? At first, yeah. That can make things challenging. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, going up with this, my townhouse has stairs. So um, there was a lot of crawling going on for a while. Wow. Yikes. And then I had the living room. <laughs> I had um, the crutches were downstairs, and I had this little office chair upstairs that I would just scoot on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Find ways to make it work. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's all healed now, though. No residual effects. Every now and again, if if I do a little run or kind of a quick turn or something, I can feel a little tweak in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the foot is like, as far as your skeleton goes, I think that's where the most bones are and it's the most complicated and all these crazy things. right. So. um, And it impacts so many other systems because it's like really from the the ground up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Feet problems are, I'm no stranger to feet problems, unfortunately. And yeah, I know. I know how that goes. (laughs) And they, I don't even think they have all that figured out how stuff intertwines with the nervous system and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not fun. Not fun. Mm-mm. So, um, what do you? What would you say you like the most about Venture? I mean, you're using it on all of your your stuff at home, and yeah, um, I didn't jump on it right away. Um, wasn't. I think more than a few weeks after it was released that I first installed it. And it's it's really not all that different from Monterey, except for one humongous one uh-huh. exception. Yep. <laughs> where, um, I don't know if this is what they did coding-wise, but it sure seems like they took settings from iPad and ported it over to the uh-huh. Mac to right. make system settings, which replaces the 22, 23-year-old system preferences. I don't know anybody who likes it. Everybody's like, WTF? <laughs> what did they do? The Why did they do this? The search box is great. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the only way I know how to get around. I don't even, and that's the thing. I don't even have it on my own system, but I'm running into more and more clients uh-huh. that I help, and they have it on theirs. And so they're calling me. How do I do this? And I end up having to go Google, try to find a you know a screenshot that somebody's posted, and uh, it's just it's just been frustrating. And that's why I'm itching to upgrade. So that's why I wanted to pick your brain about it today because I really want to do it, but I'm 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 having concerns about things like plugins. Like just today. I have a Logitech wireless mouse, and mm-hmm. I can't even get my plug-in. I can't, I can't get it to launch. It, it just won't even launch, so my mouse is, like, really slow, and I can't change the pointer, and it doesn't, you know, the buttons that are programmed aren't working. I'm like, what is going on here? I've just been having really weird, like, iCloud issues, you know, things like mail will just unexpectedly quit, and messages. So now I'm, like, going through this process of elimination. I'm like, well, maybe I just need to turn this, and this, and this, and this, and this off, and... You know, so I, it just it gets me thinking that if I'm struggling so much with Monterey and these problems, what's going to happen if I upgrade to Ventura? I don't know that it's going to fix anything. In fact, it could end up breaking things. I'm still going through the the list of like, okay, is this app Ventura ready? Is this plugin Ventura ready? And I'm not like I don't do a whole lot, but just the things that I do do, it just seems like I would kind of like them to work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing where, of course, I mean, you know this, you would go to Logitech's website and see what they say about compatibility. Um, The closest thing I have run into that at work is um, with our security software, there will be um, situations where the security software just stops working. And the most likely scenario that I've seen on our company machines there is it's someone who has Big Sur and all of our security software is installed and the classic symptom of kind of what needs to be done first is you open system preferences, you go to security and privacy, which is where Mm -hmm. the settings are for a lot of these security packages, and security and privacy will not open, but system preferences just beach balls. Mm -hmm. So step one... Step one to fix that is do the Monterey upgrade. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times um, in these broken security software situations, what I have found is you do the Monterey upgrade and suddenly all the security packages kind of fix themselves and they start working again. Some of them might need a poke or a prod to get them to work, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's just you do the Monterey upgrade and the problem goes away. The privacy and security... Uh, pain are they even still called pains anymore i don't even know what they'd be called i don't maybe know if they've really changed the terminology yeah um i mean under system preferences they were called preference panes right the file names if you dig down into the system are still pref you know dot pref pain oh interesting um so they haven't changed that so the fun that was one of the things i was worried about with the upgrade is because our mdm tells system preferences to do this, that, and the other thing, that here it would encounter system settings and it would be different enough that it wouldn't know what it was doing. And what this tells me, because it it didn't really change anything, is that behind the scenes it's all the same. It's just a different face on it. Mm -hmm. So that we're looking at it differently, but the computer from the other side of the fence sees it the same way. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I get, I get why they did it. They they want to make it more consistent with the iOS and iPadOS operating systems. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that because I've, I've long been like, I wish they would change the messages icon. I wish they would change this. I wish they would make this similar so that when I'm working with my clients, I can say, click on the green. Oh, wait, no. Is it blue? No, I think it's green. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wanted a, a more consistent way of being able to give instruction about these things. So I've always liked seeing those changes on Mac OS that they more closely align with what people see on iOS and iPad OS. And so when they were talking about calling it system settings, I thought, oh, finally, you know, I can say go to settings on all three things and it means the same thing. Mm-hmm. But then when I started seeing screenshots and I started seeing people complaining about it and I saw just how the hierarchy was designed and then when I had to sit down at a client's computer and like, oh, this is like a whole new island. Like, I don't know where I am. It's like like we were talking about like moving. It's just mm-hmm. like moving. Now I got to get used to like, well, where's this restaurant? And where do I get my, where do I get these services taken care of? And they have seemed to move things around a little bit. I think I just, I think just the other day I was helping somebody and something that they needed to turn on had been moved to the general pane. Right. I mean, yeah. some some stuff is, you know, deeper down in levels. Like, mm-hmm. um the sharing thing had yeah. its own pain in system preferences, but sharing is inside general in system settings. Yeah. It's like, why did they move it there, I wonder? And this, the same thing with software update, but software update, there's precedent for that because software update is also inside general, general. in iOS yeah. and iPadOS. Right. So I guess that's a change that I welcome because, again, it's in the same spot. And so your brain doesn't have to do these, like, constant mm-hmm. acrobatics of, like, okay. But, see, it is it is going to be interesting moving forward because now I always have to ask people, okay, what version are you running? Well, how do I find that out? You go here. You go to general. <laughs> I, have to, I have to learn the new mm-hmm. map. I have to learn a whole new pathway to get to that stuff. And I'm so used to just looking for those icons and now in system settings, you have to look in the list. And so I immediately, what I do, like like you mentioned, the search bar. I just use mm-hmm. the search bar. I mean, at least I know what I'm looking for. I know the name, the terminology for it. Right. So, okay, I'm looking for something to do with sharing. Oh, I remember what it was the other day. It was startup items. Startup items got moved to general. Where That doesn't shock me because that's what they did with sharing. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, But I had to go look that up and like, okay, where is it located? And then try to find somebody that had a screenshot thankfully i was able to find one but there's going to come a time where i need to be able to make my own screenshots so yeah i'm just i'm itching to upgrade i really want to but i just heard a lot of grumbling and um another thing we're going to talk about next is mastodon and i've been reading a lot of people talking about on mastodon and some people shared some screenshots about well what are the problems that you're having and a lot of a lot of the complaints are stemming from the privacy and security pain that i guess it doesn't Either it doesn't remember that you blessed something or it just keeps asking for something. And like, let's say you've given it permission and then next time you reboot, it still keeps coming up. Like someone shared a screenshot where they had a whole list, long list of all of these system settings alerts that something didn't stay turned on or, or something for some reason. So I just, I don't know that I'm going to run into that too many times. I don't have that many things, but it just seems like there there is a lot more a lot more permissions that need to be invoked, it seems like. Um, is that a function of well, gatekeeper? One, one that's new 
is uh, USB devices. Like, let's say you've got a USB-C dock that you have plugged into your computer and you're running Monterey, and then you run the Ventura upgrader, Mm -hmm. and then you restart. And a quirk that I have seen is you've got that thing still plugged in, but it won't see it. Uh Uh-oh. But... All you what do you have, do? Because that's going to happen well, to me. It's easy. Uh, you, okay. It's it's you know it's it's one of those it's so easy it's hard kind of things. You unplug it. Wait a second. Plug it back in, and then up pops the new Ventura feature. I see you've plugged in this USB thing that I've never seen before. Do you give me permission to use it? Ah, so unplug it and plug it back in. Mm-hmm. Just like turning it off and turning it back. Right, in. and then once you say it's allowed, then it should remember it. Oh, okay. I'm glad I asked you that. I'm glad you told me that because now I'll know that for when I do go to upgrade because I'm, I'm almost sure that I'm going to run into something like that. I, I, like I said in my, in my notes here, talking to you about this before, I'm, I'm mostly worried about peripherals and things getting reconnected because that has happened in the past. Um, I remember when I upgraded to, I want to say it was High Sierra. And I mean, that's how long I've had this. I have an OWC Thunderbolt 3 dock, which I just absolutely love. Um, so I'm very defensive about it. I don't want anything to break it. But there was a time when, during the High Sierra upgrade, something broke in the display port. And it wasn't something to do with the dock, per se. I think I had to go get something from display port. I can't remember exactly what I did. See, there's these things that break, and it's like, oh, I fixed it. But I don't remember how. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think it was as easy as just unplugging it and plugging it back in. I think there was some kind of either a firmware or a patch or or something was involved that I had to install. And then, it, and then it worked again, and it's worked ever since. I have an old Thunderbolt Apple Cinema display that I'm looking at right now. Mm-hmm. I have to use the adapter because it's Thunderbolt, and they had to convert it to the USB-C version of Thunderbolt. So I'm hoping that all that will work. I, I'm just nervous. I, mean, I don't know why. I mean, I wasn't that nervous upgrading from Big Sur to Monterey. It wasn't that big of a deal. But for some reason, I just have more anxiety about Ventura. And I, I think it's just because of rumblings that I've seen on Twitter and Mastodon. Yeah, and most of those are related to system settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. But that, are. that enhanced USB security is another new thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's good because, you know, if people are plugging in some thumb drive that they found in the parking lot. <laughs> right. That will uh, yeah. and, and think twice. There are some... Um, I mean, every USB device has some sort of little firmware-y thing on it, and Mm. there are some some ways that those can get infected by Mm. something that isn't real. And and it's not the kind of a thing where, say, uh, an antivirus can get rid of it, because once once a USB thing is messed up like that, it's messed up. Mm. So if, if somehow some... I don't know, or, or you know, mal- malicious actors maybe plug something in while you're not looking. You want your computer to say, "Hey, there's this thing that I've never seen before. Do you want? Do you know what this is?" <laughs> so, that's a good thing. It's all because of that robot TV show where the guy went into the server room and he stuck the thumb drive in there, and it just made everybody's uh, student loans get paid off. <laughs> I can't have that. Do you remember that? No. But I wouldn't mind if that happened to uh, I know, right? our student loans. I know, right? 
<laughs> but USB uh, uh, security is a really important thing. So yeah, I guess I'm, I'm glad that they've that they've stepped that up. Hmm. What are there? Is there any features that you're enjoying? Just day to day use. It's really not that different. The the big than Monterey. The the like I said, the big glaring thing is the system settings over system preferences. And once you get used to it, it actually kind of makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see that happening. Some things are less buried in system settings. Some things are no, more buried um, in some of the things like, let me see here. I think notifications is one thing that's a little bit more flexible in what you can and can't do. Uh, Wi-Fi isn't inside network. It's its own thing. Oh, really? Um, That's interesting. But you can also access it through network. So it's kind of like... There's oh, sometimes, is it in two places at once? Kind of, yeah, it is. Really? Uh, it's both inside network and its own thing. Um, it almost seems like for that, they designed it for the, the mere mortal, the, the common user that just needs to be able to access Wi-Fi. So they made it out front and center like they did on on an iPhone and an iPad. Like everybody knows how to get to Wi-Fi that way. Yeah. But then they also put it where it makes sense for technicians like us. It's it's like you were saying. Um, there's so many more people that have iPhones than Macs, and then maybe they decide to get a Mac one day. And having yep. you know system settings the way it is, it's going to be more familiar. Uh, they yeah. don't they don't call it desktop picture anymore. It's wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Which is the mm-hmm. same term that's used on the iPad and the iPhone. So, and and that's broken out into its own thing. Um, yeah, I think it really will make sense over time. I just have to get in there and dig it, dig around it. And for people like us, I mean, we probably do spend quite a bit of time in system settings. Mm-hmm. I say system settings now more than most people. So it'll probably start to make more sense to us over time. Oh, but absolutely. But as with anything, change is uncomfortable. Yep, I've that's that's where say, put it back the way it was. <laughs> that's where I get some resistance every year. Is there's you know mm-hmm. there's people I don't want to upgrade, and I yeah. just have to say, well, you know, you're going to be not security compliant then, and people know that when I say that, that they have to do it, right? Because right. you know the security stuff is pretty ingrained as far as how important it is in our company because we have. Yeah. Um, we have these guidelines that we have to follow because our, you know, our contracts are with government entities, you know, whether it's the federal government or state government or counties or cities. And, uh, you know, those security and privacy requirements are pretty stringent. And when that comes into the conversation, people just, they're familiar enough with all the stuff because they're the ones that create the stuff for the governments. Um, they're familiar enough with it that they know when I say security is involved and that's why we're doing this, that they just have to do what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it still makes it sticky, I'm sure. I, I've, I've worked at a school once where trying to get people to be compliant was really like pulling teeth because people just, they know what they know and mm-hmm. they don't want to have to be forced to learn something new because there's already so much on their plates and I hated doing it, but it had to be done. It's like, yep. we can't just, we can't stay on Jaguar. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can't stay on these older operating systems. We have to upgrade because we're losing, we're losing functionality and there's a security component. And mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, even my clients are like, what do I need to upgrade for? I'm like, well, do you want to you want to be safe? Do you want to keep going to those websites that you go to and downloading that free stuff? And, you know, you got to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. It, it's a little bit hard to convince people. It can be because, like you said, people are afraid of change. They I, Where I run into it the most, where people are more upgrade resistant, are some of the engineers that work deep in with the command line stuff. Oh. So um, they're the ones that when there is an upgrade, they're far more likely to be affected than somebody else. Yeah, because I guess it could break their code or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yikes. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. Yeah, that's a big one. Wow. Yeah, I guess I'm wondering like why people keep old operating systems around, but I think there's always got to be some kind of reason. That could be one of them. Hmm. The, the biggest reason... Um, which really isn't a thing in our environment because we have to maintain security compliance. But the biggest reason generally that I've seen over the years is there's some program like, you know, maybe they've, they've got an old version of FileMaker running all the mm-hmm. company stuff and oh, that's a big one. they don't want to yeah. pay for the new one. So the mm-hmm. old one can only go so far. And yes. at that point, um, all you can do in a company where they're able to keep it running somehow is, you know, just disconnect it from the internet. Yep. I, I experienced that too. In fact, it was the same school that when I was shown to my new office, okay, we use this Windows PC for just these things, this bin bash system for creating user accounts, and that's all it's used for. And then here's this old Mac OS 9 <laughs> beige desktop computer, and the only purpose it has is FileMaker, because they had some kind of system on FileMaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I've, I've definitely seen that. And it's only used for this one thing, but it does this one thing really, really well. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. But disconnected from the internet. So, yeah. Although some of that stuff still has to be connected, at least to the network, because it's an intranet. So right. you still have to maintain it that way. Yeah, it gets it gets hard like trying to support that old stuff, and it just kind of lingers. Yeah. Well, then, speaking of change and, and moving on to new things, um, do you want to talk about moving from Twitter to Mastodon? Um, sure. That's <laughs> been an... Uh, I'm, I'm not quite done with the transition. Yeah. I've just kind of... Will we ever um, be, though? Because, I mean, I kind of feel like you kind of have to keep a Twitter account around. I haven't deleted it. I have friends that have deleted theirs. Um... I rarely, rarely go into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and, and I'm not even looking at tweets. It's if I go into it, it's just to see if um, if someone has messaged me in it or mm-hmm. something. I don't even have the Twitter client on my phone. I just have one tab on my phone in Safari, and I look at it every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't get notifications or anything. The one time that I have used it since switching was because I had to, it was like a customer service DM kind of a thing where I had mm-hmm. to, you know, because you, companies are in there and sometimes getting help through Twitter is quicker than yep. anything else. So that's why I, I did that to keep once. It around. Um, yeah, until, until it really becomes mainstream and they move their, their stuff over to Mastodon, if that's even going to happen. I mean, I hope it does. 
but yeah, that's that's the one reason that I use it is for certain companies or mm-hmm. there's still some people that I follow that haven't moved over. So I give them a little jingle like, hey, uh, are you thinking about coming over to Mastodon? Would love to see you over there. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's going to be the, the tough nut to crack, you know, mm-hmm. getting things like, say, um, the Arizona Diamondbacks and Major League mm-hmm. Baseball mm-hmm. on to Mastodon and getting CNN on to Mastodon. Um, just two examples. Um, the... There are bots on Mastodon that copy their Twitter feeds and put uh-huh. them on Mastodon. Yeah. But... I have not followed. And you can't respond to those, obviously. There's your butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't really. What what I haven't done as far as switching from Twitter to Mastodon is is like looking at my Twitter follows and trying to re-find them on Mastodon. Yeah, I've just kind of gotten it to a point where... Um, either I have found people there or they have found me and it's kind of partially built up, mm-hmm. rebuilt my Twitter presence. Did you, had you try using something like uh, Move to Dawn or something that used an API while it was still working uh, to get your followers over? Those t- I used that successfully. Those tabs are in my browser right now, open. Yeah. And I uh, have, I was meaning to look at them and I still uh-huh. plan to look at them, but I imagine a lot of them don't work anymore. Right. But that's the thing that the, really ticked me I off. I just never found the time. Mm-hmm. And they're it, actually pretty easy if, if they still work by any chance. I mean, it's really just a click of a bunny I, a button. It's, it's, it's very magical. I don't know how they do it, but it's pretty amazing. I've, I used it twice. I used it once in the beginning and then I used it again when the developer said, Hey, this is probably going to break because the overlord has decided to charge for it and mm-hmm. hasn't told us what they're going to do. And then I used it again, you know, right before they said it was going to stop working. But I just opened up another, another app just recently called Memento. That is a type of journaling app that will bring in your feeds from different social networks. And mm-hmm. they have a big red message in there that says, you know, Twitter hasn't given us any direction on this. And, it, you know, we think it's going to, it's suspended right now. We don't know when it's going to work again. I mean, that's just, it's just horrible what, what they've done to developers whose products really rely on those APIs. Yeah. And sure. There's big, huge corporations that can probably, it's not a big problem. They can't, they can afford whatever fee it is that they're going to charge to keep those APIs going. But for the little guy, and for these indie developers, it's just it's just horrific. It breaks it breaks their livelihood. So that's one and of the reasons that really ticked me off that made me want to switch. That that was the kind of the final straw for me that yeah. got me to switch is all of a sudden Tweetbot stopped working. Yeah. A lot of people were angry about that, myself included. Yeah, that's it's just not fair. Mm-hmm. And, and kinda so like once, it's like they pulled the rug out from under all these right. indie, indie developers. And once that happened, it's like, okay, um, you're going to do this to, you know, not only these developers, but me also. Yeah, the, the people, the users, the yeah. people like so, you and me, we built Twitter. Like we were there before he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're the ones that made Twitter what it is today. You know, us and, you know, everybody else that scale on top of that. And then for somebody to come in and just start pulling the rug out from everybody it just doesn't seem fair so no so yeah i mean I, I feel like i have to keep it at least just to keep my my brand my handle there 
I'm considering locking it down to private. I haven't done, done that yet, but I might because now it seems like there's more bots that are showing up. And that was supposed to be something that was taken care of, but I think it's just gotten worse over time. So I, I still think I'm just going to keep it. And like, you, like you've been saying, I'll just kind of check in once in a while. Mm-hmm. Those few stragglers that might remain that I still might want to read. Um, like you said, there's, it is just easier to get some time of uh, customer support through direct messaging. Yep. But hopefully, hopefully that will, will come over. So we'll see. It's not quite Mastodon isn't, I don't know that it's main. I wouldn't consider it mainstream yet. No. And I think it's the, the thing that, that trips people who are less tech savvy up mm-hmm. is the, what do you mean? I have to pick a server. Yeah. Yeah. Even that even tripped me up. I mean, I, I chose it so long ago back in 2017 so I've been there all that time, but like when I was there, it was like when I signed up, it was like crickets. You know, there just wasn't anything to really see, and I didn't know anything about different servers. That's just kind of what was available. So I just mm-hmm. picked one of the first servers. Now there's all these choices. So yeah, what do you mean I have to pick a server, an instance? What's an instance? You know, and so there are it's a bit of a learning curve. There are some apps that I've heard of that help you through that. Yes, like phone apps. I don't know which does and which doesn't. Um, what I did is I just went to the main Mastodon site and they have like a find, uh, instance Mm -hmm. server thing. And, um, what I looked for to how I picked the one that I did, which is mas.to is I, I searched for servers that had a lot of people on them because i figure Mm -hmm. some big huge server that's been around for a while and it's got a ton of people on it isn't going to go away that's exactly what i was thinking when i chose mine when i chose to stick with mine yeah so i mean this Mm -hmm. this was that and the address couldn't be any shorter simpler mas.to Right, it's easy to say, it's right. easy to spell, it's easy to remember. Mast. Like mine's mastodon.cloud. Yeah, yeah. that's Some an Some of these other one. ones get kind of abbreviated. Like Elise's is, is abbreviated. It's mastodon, but it's an abbreviation. It's got like a letter missing or something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So she might end up changing that, but uh, you know, it was something to sign up for. for now. Right, so that, that's, out, that's an easy one for me to go to other people and say, it's, you know, I'm, I'm on mas.to. Mm-hmm. Super simple. And I, you know, and, and usually if, if people have been asking me where to sign up, it's like, you know, don't even bother with the things that say, um, look up at this server, look up at that server. That's just going to confuse you. Just go here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just pick one and start on it and just mm-hmm. get started with it. That's, that's what I've said too. I was considering moving only because it seemed like the, I want to call it, is it the, is it the local feed or the, or the home feed? I think it's the local feed. So whatever's local to your specific instance or server. I don't know why they don't just call it a server. I don't know, why, do you th- why do you think it's called an instance? Have you figured that out? Um, no. That doesn't mean anything to you in any other kind of Well, and then the messages jargon. are called toots. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Um. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know if you think about how, an, I don't know what a mammoth sounds like, but or a mastodon, for that matter, sounds like because they're extinct. Right. But, an elephant, like, you know, kind of makes it sound like mm, maybe, I guess that's where they got Yeah, from. maybe. Yeah. So it's a silly sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Takes a little while to uh, turn off your inner 12-year-old, but once you do, you can get past it. At least I have. And then retweeting is called boosting. Boosting, yep. 
Yeah, so there's a little bit of a different vernacular. Yeah. That, that makes sense. You're boosting something so that other people can see it. It's functionally very similar to Twitter. Oh, very much so. And um, especially when you use a really good app. Like, the app that I'm using is called Ice Cubes. Yes. What are, is that what you're using? Yes. That, uh, that's okay. the best one that I have found. So I yeah. mean, I'm sure Ivory is great. Yeah. Um, Ivory, of course, being the TweetBot replacement. Um, and, you know, I'm glad they're doing that. More power to them. I hope they succeed. Um, but when I saw the annual fee for it being, mm-hmm. I think, a little more than double what it was for TweetBot, I'm like, well, you know, it's not fully baked yet. They're mm-hmm. still working on it. It doesn't have all the features they're going to put in it. And Ice Cubes is free. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got like a in-app tips you can give. Um, Which I did. I, I also found something out about that. And I mentioned on the, on the last episode, but I'll mention it again here since we're talking about it. But someone told me that if you go to the developer's GitHub and you donate them... If you don't make a donation there, they get more. They get like the full cut, or they get more of. They get more of the the money. Oh, that makes versus sense. If you do an in-app purchase, they only get their percentage. Yeah, because an Apple cut, would so. say get some of it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, that. So I would say would be the better way to donate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm with you. Like uh, the the ivory shirt sounds great and everything, but I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm a small business, but I'm not a big business. If I was a big business, or if I was a like an influencer, or someone who, you know, made their livelihood off of socializing and networking on Mastodon, then yeah, I would probably be able to justify paying an annual fee for it. But mm-hmm. I'm not in that camp. So yeah, and and Ice Cube's quite honestly just I mean they develop on all the time. They're constantly pushing out updates and every time there's some great improvement and mm-hmm. if i so much as think gee i wish it would do done like the next day it's like the, the feature just shows up it's like it's every amazing. day or two there's a new one mm-hmm. somebody even built um what was it called a shortcut they built a shortcut <laughs> instead of having to go into the app store and do it they, there's a shortcut that you just, you can just press and it'll just take you to it and update it nice that was interesting yeah yeah shortcuts are really cool yeah, so I'm enjoying it. Like like you said, I'm just we're actually finally able to socialize and it's not these constant ads being interjected or you know, I don't know, maybe it just depends on who you follow and what, but I'm not seeing as many po- uh political things and I don't know, it's just it's just a much better experience. It's like Twitter used to be back in the very beginning where you know, I guess I guess we went through this phase where people would just post about what they were eating for lunch and too many people got annoyed with that. Like, I don't care what you're eating for lunch. And now the pendulum has swung back the other way. Please tell me what you're eating for lunch. I want, I want to know these mm-hmm. like insipid things instead of all this other horrible reality that's going on in the world. Yes, I would like to know. Did you have avocado with that? <laughs> I haven't filled out my Mastodon feed with a lot of the other Twitter stuff I used to follow yet. I've just been kind of mm-hmm. relishing the absence of the absolute fire hose of stuff yes. on Twitter yes. yep. um, with the smaller trickle of things that I'm getting. Um, yeah. It makes me think twice about following so many. Yeah. You know, so many. I mean, I used the Mastodon um, following tool and I like what it gave me. It didn't give me everything, but mm-hmm. what it did give me was acceptable. I haven't had the 
urge to unfollow anybody or block anybody. Or I don't even know if I know how to do that yet. But uh, so far, I've, I've really liked it. In fact, there's lots of people where I think, oh, I'm missing you know that person, and so I go and I look and see if they're see if they're on, and they might be on, but they just haven't posted anything, mm-hmm. so they're just not there yet. You know, the following is a little janky. I think it's it's difficult to do unless you've used a tool like that. So you have to end up. I don't know if you figured out a better way, but it seems like like if I were to go to your list and see who you're following, I would have to find the person and then copy and paste their entire handle, including their instance, and put it into my search field. And then I could click the little plus sign. So I don't know if they've made that any easier since I tried it last. But it seems like you have to kind of cherry pick and do it one at a time in order to get people the last, into your list of following. The last time I tried that, um, it seemed to me I just tapped their username, up came their profile, and there was the follow button. Oh, okay. So I would guess that maybe Ice Cubes has made some improvements there. Yeah, so that's I'm glad you brought that up because I do probably need to do it in the Ice Cubes app. What I was thinking about was doing it in the web UI. Yeah, the web UI is the, the search harder. functions are terrible, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's not as easy. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense then. I'll have to do it that way. So yeah, I didn't even know that that was a feature, but now that you said that, it makes total sense that it would be. Yeah, and right now I'm only following 33 people on Mastodon, so, mm-hmm. um, or well, 33 people and or entities as compared to pff, however many small number of hundreds on, on Twitter. So. I think we learned our lesson from either following people on Twitter or, you know, when you first got an email address and you would give everybody your email address, including like sweepstakes mm-hmm. and and stores and stuff. And then you started getting all of this, the spam mail. It's like, I think we're kind of like once bitten, twice shy. So I think we're going to be a little more picky and choosy about who we follow on Mastodon to try to keep it a little bit less overwhelming. Definitely. But I, I, the biggest thing for me there right now is, you know, you'd use Twitter to get your breaking news and whatnot. Yes. And that's yes. not really, uh, aside from what I said before about some people have made bots that take the Twitter feeds of, of like, say, CNN and pull it into mm-hmm. Mastodon, there, there's no one that I'm aware of. I'm probably wrong, but there's no one that I'm aware of that you know, a news organization that's right on Mastodon, like, you know, I don't know, ABC or NBC or CNN or whoever else. Yeah, see, and I've chosen not to follow them for that reason, because I didn't want that. There are a couple of like, I follow Axios, or I think, uh, maybe the Associated Press, or sometimes they'll link to that. So I get some news that way. But there's a, a local Tucson Twitter account that isn't on Mastodon yet, or at least I haven't looked and I need to go look. But I suspect it's going to be a little difficult for those kinds of like you know indie indie type tweeters because they rely on donations to keep what it is that they do going, mm-hmm. and so they would have to bring all of that over to Mastodon and then start soliciting people for donations there too. So yeah, I can imagine that would be a little bit more of a, a pain point to switch over. So yeah, I guess we're kind of stuck with with these two channels for the time being, and it is what it is. But I am I am glad that, that Mastodon's becoming more popular because like I said, I just enjoy the social aspect of it and I'm actually finally talking to people now instead of just interacting with bots and ads and things like that. So I hope it'll stick around like that. I think it's I think it's gonna be a little bit of what you make it versus what it becomes mm-hmm. because this whole federation idea, which I don't quite understand fully, 
but uh, it's definitely definitely a better, more pleasurable experience compared to what Twitter has become. Well, the Federation started out with the humans, the Vulcans, the Tellarites, and the Andorians. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Sorry, just a little improv. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's great. <laughs> um, but, yeah, to just kind of finish up about that, I think you, you, you do hear regular people are aware uh, regular people that's an insulting thing to say kind of but you know what i mean um, yeah i know what you non-technical mean. people right. um like you know people who are less geeky than we are like my mom right. uh the, some, the people who i roll at the things that we say sometimes right um those people those people now at least have an understanding that Mastodon is just like Twitter, which isn't exactly right, but I mean, that's how a lot of them will take that. And it's right. it's not wrong um, because the, so much of the functionality is the same. And I think it's, you know, Mastodon awareness has gotten to a point where if somehow, like happened with MySpace and Friendster and all those, if mm-hmm. Twitter just implodes people know there's somewhere to go and yeah. companies know there's somewhere to go. Right. Right. That's a good point. Definitely. Yeah. I just saw somebody else just the other day was trying to explain an interface that they were trying to uh, present on. And they said, Oh, so it's a lot like Facebook in that, you know, and went on to make these comparisons. And, and it was, I mean, you had your posts, your feed, uh, the sidebar, this to click on, that to click on. You could like something. They use different terminology for it, but mm-hmm. very much the similar. I mean, these are these are social networks that have sort of built the foundation, and then all these other things kind of build on that. Right. So you're going to be able to draw some kind of comparisons mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. It's like making a Xerox. <laughs> and as you know, as much as as people have been coming on to Mastodon compared to how many people have been on Mastodon. I mean, it's nowhere near Twitter's yeah. numbers, but I mean, yeah. percentages-wise for Mastodon, it's huge growth. You know, they see the writing on the wall. They know most mm-hmm. of these people are coming from Twitter, so they have been tweaking Mastodon to be just a little bit more Twitter-like in how mm-hmm. it works. So it's familiar. Yeah. Right. If you build it, they'll come and try to make it familiar, and people will know how to use it, mm-hmm. or at least figure it out. And then when there's a new feature, then... Everybody else will get it at the same time. Kind of like system settings on Ventura right? looks so much like the iPad settings. Right, exactly. Yes, that's a really great way to draw that, that distinction, very much so. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, we have, one, we have a couple more topics, and we're, we're getting to the end here. Um, <laughs> so much for, what are we going to talk about? Uh, I just wanted to, to ask you a little bit about um, matter and why it matters. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I have some smart home things going on here. Can you tell our listeners and me, what is matter and what does it mean and, and why, what do you think about it? You said it's kind of a mess right now or it's... it's well, in in Not the before very well. in the before times, you had you know works with Alexa, works okay. with um, Google, Google, and mm-hmm. of course HomeKit, and um, this is an oversimplification of exactly what matter is, but um, for all practical purposes, matter is HomeKit also kind of rejiggered and 
made to work with um, the Amazon stuff and the Google stuff. What about other other things? Like, isn't there something called? Um, it starts with a Z. Uh, Zigbee. That's Zigbee. that's kind of a proprietary thing, kind of along the line. Yeah, that's that's a little I think more I've niche seen it in the literature for my Philips Hue bulbs. Yeah, it'll say works with Zigbee. Z- that that is uh, so so obviously the Amazon and Google and Apple solutions have been voice based with their voice assistants. Okay, Zigbee stuff. I don't know a ton about this, but I know enough that I think I'm giving the correct answer here. The Zigbee stuff would have like a Zigbee phone app. Hmm. Okay. And hook it all maybe in they did something where it ties in with either the Google Voice or the Amazon Voice. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, it's kind of like that, where you would have, if works with Zigbee, use the Zigbee app, um, that sort of a thing. And there's a couple other things like that that the names just aren't oh, like popping smart, in my head right now. Smart Home Life or something? Uh, yeah, I Samsung has bulbs. one. Smart mm. Smart Home or something. Um, but Smart Life is one? Yeah. I, matter, as far as it goes, just it's it's something that isn't on by default in your home app in you know apple's various operating systems you have to flip a switch i think to switch from home kit to matter but a lot of the home kit stuff since i think home kit i could be wrong about this but i think home kit is the foundation of matter because sounds the, about right. the, the big difference between and this also goes back to the fact that it was Apple and Intel who co-developed USB-C, but uh, unrelated. But it gets—it's the same idea. Um, mm-hmm. The the thing with HomeKit and say uh, Chamberlain MyQ um, is there were and you know like door locks, garage openers, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. There were more stringent security requirements to get that stuff to work with HomeKit as okay. opposed to Amazon's or Google's solutions. And Matter kind of, um, since it's Am- Apple and Amazon and Google working together, uh, it, it brings in more of that security focus that Apple always had. So um, eventually, and it's going to take you know years for this stuff to sort out, um, eventually, you won't have to even think about, you know, whether you're talking to Siri or oh. Alexa or the Google Voice. Um, if it's Matter compliant, it'll work with all of them. But uh, you know that stuff. That, you know, products take time to come out. Existing yeah. products may not work with Matter. Um, the HomeKit ones, I think, are more likely to off the bat, but they might need a firmware upgrade. I mean, I, I don't know enough to say things definitely mm-hmm. um, about this stuff. So it's just, you know, Matter was literally just released a few weeks ago as part mm-hmm. of iOS 16 point. I don't quite remember. Right, um, right. And you have to flip the switch in the Home Act to actually switch over to it. Uh, and I, I haven't even looked into it enough to know where that switch is. I just yeah, I was gonna know say, enough that, like you said earlier about the the macros nine and FileMaker, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right now, mm-hmm. um, right, all right. my, stuff, my works stuff to work as <laughs> is. 
So yeah. it that's you yeah. know and the the products the matter compatible products need to come out and it takes time for companies once the the you know once the chicken lays the egg for the egg to hatch and then they have mm. their stuff that's matter compliant. Would you say it's like a security protocol? It it's going to have tighter security protocols than the Amazon stuff did because mm-hmm. of how you know, you've you've got Apple's HomeKit influence, which was really much tighter on security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that when I was hooking up my Eufy cams, there were some restrictions. Like, I can't, for whatever reason, uh, it doesn't matter if I have a 4K camera; I can only view it in HD, or, or and I think it was 2K, but mm-hmm. I can only view it in HD or something like that. But I don't know if that's security related, but that was one of the limitations. And I think there was something to do with. Um, can't remember what the section was, but it, you know, it would give you a message and say, due to you know, if you're connecting to HomeKit, you can't do this this thing. You can't switch the switch on. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll see more and more of that. Okay, well, uh, I was curious about that. Um, our last topic, if we want to move on and, and close out the show, we're going to talk about a little bit about Chat GPT. Um, I only know a little bit about it, just that you know people have been tinkering with it and testing it, and uh, there was a there was a uh, journalist who asked it a bunch of questions, and it ended up the bot ended up falling in love with him and told him to leave his wife and stuff like that. I mean, you hear these these really like on the fringe um, stories about it, and, and there's a lot of scary stuff that it seems like it could it could make. Uh, life easier for hackers and I don't know there's just a lot more negative stuff about it but maybe you can put a positive spin on it for me you you were telling me an example of, of something that you'd like to use it for well there's two things there's the integration that Microsoft put into Bing which is I think what you were talking about with the, the reporter and asking questions that's kind of new um, there's also a website chat.openai.com which is the full-on chat GPT and you just kind of go in there and type in questions and it answers or you can tell it like one thing I did um, just for fun is I said um, oh where's the other thing there was were you really... making it do some improv <laughs> well no um, like one you you can ask it to do to write stories basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, Just on the fly. Yeah. And one thing that I where did I put that? Did you feed it a prompt? Yeah. Um, I one of the things I said which didn't work very well, but it it came back with a funny response, and I'm trying to find it, and I can't find it. No, it's not there. Sorry, this can, is making for recall, fun listening. But um, can you recall like what you might have asked it? I I asked it to write a crossover story um, between Beavis and Butthead <laughs> and Dallas. You know the the TV show Dallas. Yeah. And what in the world made those things pop into your head? That's hilarious. The answer it came I might I think I have to look on my Mastodon account to find the answer it came back with. The answer it came back with is it basically refused to do it. Oh. Um it said 
But the fun, oh. but the answer they gave you was funny. Yeah, it said, as an AI language model, I am programmed to promote positive and respectful content. A crossover episode of Beavis and Butthead in Dallas could potentially contain inappropriate and disrespectful material that I am not able to provide. I apologize for any inconvenience. That's hilarious. <laughs> but then, um, wow. After that, I asked it to. Now you're making me want to try it. Um, I asked it to write a... Cro- oh, there it is. Um, I asked it to write a crossover episode of All in the Family in Dallas. <laughs> and it, this, this might be a little bit long, but this is what it came up with. Okay. Um, Archie Bunker from All in the Family and J.R. Ewing from Dallas find themselves in an unlikely situation when they are both stranded in a small town in Texas. They end up at the same diner arguing over the last piece of apple pie. As the argument intensifies, the sheriff arrives and recognizes J.R. as a wealthy oil baron from Dallas. He asks for his help in investigating a local crime, but J.R. declines, citing that he has nothing to gain from the situation. Archie, on the other hand, decides to lend a hand, and with his quick wit and street smarts, he quickly uncovers the culprit behind the crime. The sheriff was impressed and offers him a job as a deputy. J.R. sees an opportunity to gain favor with the locals and offers to fund a new community center in exchange for his release from the town. The sheriff agrees, and J.R. uses his wealth and connections to build the community center in record time. As the community center is being built, Archie and J.R., develop an unlikely friendship. They share stories about their respective lives, and they discover that they have more in common than they could have ever imagined. When the community center is finally completed, the entire town comes out to celebrate. Archie and JR are honored for their contributions, and they are asked to give speeches to the crowd. Archie delivers a heartfelt speech about the importance of community and looking out for one another, while JR uses the opportunity to promote his business ventures. In the end, the unlikely duo part ways, but they are forever changed by their experience in the small town in Texas. They realize that despite their different backgrounds and personalities, they are both human beings with a common goal of seeking success and happiness in life. Wow. (laughs) I'm just trying to picture that. It's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. That is fun. Is that something? Is that a practice you're going to keep? Uh, you're going to keep practicing and making more stories with it. I may or I may not. I mean, it's one of those yeah. things that you do when it's like, well, I want to get a laugh out of something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing That's that great. I, I mean, there's there's like, okay, so like real estate agents are using this website to write descriptions for homes. Oh, wow. Um, CNET has started to use a similar thing for really simple articles hmm. that are kind of say beneath the ability of their journalists but hmm. then they still look them over before they publish them mm-hmm. so it's kind of streamlines their workload that way um okay. one other thing i did with it is um my partner owns a um a chocolate shop at the mall of america Nice. And she's having trouble finding employees. And her oh. last help wanted ad was just kind of not working well. Mm-hmm. So I just ran it through a bunch of scenarios. Um, 
And the funny does sound useful. At first, I just did a normal one, and it wrote a nice normal job description. But then I thought, well, let's see, let's Can do some other stuff. So I said, please write a help wanted advertisement for a part time job at Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory at Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota, in the style of an angst ridden twenty year old. That almost sounds like improv, though. <laughs> It kind of is, really. Um, but, I mean, what it came up with is just hilarious. So, here, here's what it came up with. Okay. Ugh. So, I need money, like, now. And I also need to fuel my chocolate addiction. It's a real problem. But luckily, Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory at the Mall of America in Bloomington is hiring part-time sales associates. And I think this could be my chance. I mean, don't get me wrong. Customer service isn't exactly my passion. But I can be nice when I have to. And if it means getting paid to be around chocolate all day, I can fake a smile. The job, oh gosh. the job involves stuff like greeting customers, processing transactions, and keeping the store clean. I guess that sounds okay. I mean, it's not like I have a lot of options right now. If you're like me and just need some extra cash, you should apply. They want someone who can work flexible hours, which I guess is cool since I don't really have a set schedule anyway. And the pay is like 15 to $17 an hour, depending on experience. Plus, you get discounts on chocolate, which is honestly the best part. So if you're feeling the same way I am, broke and chocolate obsessed, send your resume and cover letter to rmcfmallofamerica at gmail.com or drop it off at the store on level one east side of Mall of America. Let's do this thing. That's great. It sounds like it's been written by an influencer. <laughs> Something wow. like that. I mean, it was just kind of fun to play with. Yeah, I can see, I can see you doing more of this. Totally. Like, totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I think we're going to use that to wrap up the show. Thanks so much for joining me, Tom. I really appreciate it. And I know Elisa appreciates you filling in for her. My pleasure. I hope her move is going well. I mean, we know how fun it is. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> well, do you have any links or anything that you want to share? How can people follow you? Um. Well, I mean, there's Twitter, but I ignore that. Right. Um. On Twitter, it's just T-O-M-D-A-R-2, but yeah, my last post on Twitter, I think, said something like, I'm on Mastodon, here I am there. Um, go follow me there. Yeah. So what's your, what's your Mastodon uh, handle? At T-O-M-D-A-R-2, at M-A-S dot T-O. Okay, great. Well, everybody should follow Tom, and you should also send your, your job submissions there to help him out, help his partner out, get, a, get somebody for their chocolate place. I want to work there now that I heard that. I like chocolate. And if you want to follow us on this show, you can email us, podcast at com. You can go to the website, com, and we have a contact tab there. You can also follow us on Twitter for now. We'll probably create something over on Mastodon as well. But while we're still on Twitter, you can add us at show. You can reach Elisa at elisapaselli one and you can find me at www.themacmommy.com. And that's our show. And everybody stay safe and thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.